This is not a cat. This is not a rocket. And this is not a sale. That's right. At Smarty Mobile, we're not having a sale. While others are slashing prices, we're introducing our best ever new plans. Take our new 30 gig data SIM for just £10 a month. With unlimited calls and texts and no speed restrictions, credit checks or contract tying you down, why shop around? New plans, great value. Now that's Smarty. Grab yours today. Search Smarty Mobile. See smarty.co.uk for terms. Guess who's back? Back again. Palps is back. Tell a friend. <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Strike me down. Strike me down. <sighs> Etc. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts. Ish. Ish. This one is dedicated to. The ninth film in the Skywalker saga, the 11th official Star Wars movie, not counting all the Ewok films, and the Clone Wars animated movie. And if you want to, like, binge watch The Mandalorian when it comes out later in the year, that doesn't count as a movie either. So 11 official Star Wars movies. This is, of course, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the ninth and final film in the Skywalker saga. Or so we are told. Well, I believe it's the ninth. Yes, indeed. It is officially the end of the Skywalker saga, and joining me to discuss the Skywalker saga over the next 45 minutes to an hour are two of my finest colleagues of such lethal cunning. First of all, (laughs) on the side of the Jedi, we have Ben Travis. Hello. And secondly... Wait a second. Clearly also on the side of the Jedi. (laughs) Okay, okay. Helen O'Hara. Hello. I was worried where you were going there for a second. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, precisely. A master... And an apprentice. Always do. There are. Mm. In, in the Jedi? Yeah, okay. Je- and Seth. Big guy. Right. And Seth? Seth. 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 The terrifying Seth. Seth. And the reason I said we're going to be talking about this over the next 45 minutes or so, rather than, say, two to three hours, which mm. is what you would expect, is because this isn't really a spoiler special. Well, we've only seen it once, is yes. our worry. We had an uh, we had a bit of a crisis, a bit of an existential dilemma, a bit of, a, you know, just a bit of angst in the Empire office today because we've all only seen... We're recording this on Thursday, 19th of December. The movie has literally just opened around the world. People have seen it. Uh, we saw it the other day, of course, at uh, the multimedia because we're special. And uh, But we've, that's the only time we've seen it. We've only seen it once uh, because we have a big old work backlog yeah. this side of Christmas. We thought, well, mm, we had a bit of a, you know, our dilemma was thus. Either we record a spoiler special, two hours all in, having just seen it once, or we wait until we come back after January and then we record that then. So we put it to Twitter and most people said, well, well actually 55% of people said January, 45% of people said they want one now. And then a whole bunch of people said, why can't you do both? How about mm. you do one, a smaller one now and then a bigger one when you come back? So you mean after a close vote, uh, you've attempted to do, reach a solution that will actually make everyone happy. That's pretty novel. No, what pretty I'm saying cool. is uh, after a close vote, I've ignored what people have said. Well, that too. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this is more of a conversation, a general conversation about the film. Obviously, we will get into spoiler territory. So if you have not seen The Rise of Skywalker, then hide it to your nearest cinema, see the movie, and then come back. But uh, this one, we don't have any. In fact, we won't have for the other one as well. J.J. Uh, Abrams was in town for less than 24 hours, I am told. 
and so didn't have time to uh, set aside for a spoiler special. Very, very disappointing, but hopefully maybe one day we will get him down the line talking about this movie. What it means is it's just going to be us nattering away about the film. And uh, just to set things up, I think we brought balance to the force in this room because <laughs> Helen, of course, wrote the review of this, the official mm-hmm. Empire review, and gave it three stars, which mm-hmm. is, of course, as we always say in the podcast, a, a recommendation. space recommendation. Mm-hmm. I'm slightly more negative about the movie than that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably in the two-star camp. Mm-hmm. Ben here, he's young, virtuous, naive, idealistic, trustworthy, <laughs> true of heart, fleet of foot, warm of hand. Oh my God, you're he's obsessed <laughs> with his hands. <laughs> Four stars is Ben's take in this movie. You really yeah, love this film, don't you? I, I'd be leaning towards a four. I um, I enjoyed the Star War. What can I say? It's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of war and there are plenty mm, of stars. Lots yeah. of stars. Lots so from stars. that perspective, I was sated. I was very very happy. But uh, from other perspectives, perhaps less so. But uh, from a certain point of view, you really enjoyed it. So what was it about this movie that you really liked? Um, there, I just thought it did a lot of things right. There, there are more things about this film that I have some hmm questions about compared to the previous uh, films in the sequel trilogy. But it also did loads of things that I really, really liked. I had a great time watching it. There were big emotional moments that made me cry. There were moments that I was literally gasping in my seat. I was clutching my chest. And I think for me, primarily, in a lot of ways, it did right by uh, the sequel trilogy characters, our current set of heroes, who I've really, really grown to love over the last couple of years. So it very much worked for me in that sense. Um, And I am actually building up over the next couple of hours, uh, well, or... As we go on to talk about this, I'm seeing it again tonight. I'm getting increasingly excited about seeing it again tonight because you've spoken about this before. When you see a big film like this for the first time, especially with the Marvel stuff as well, there is so much to take in and there's so much anticipation. We literally queued for four and a half hours in the foyer of the cinema uh, for the press screening of this to make sure we had the best seats in the house. And a lot of the time, um, you're just you're just soaking it all in. You're reacting in the moment to what you like, what you don't like, what takes you by surprise. And often, a second viewing can be kind of significantly different on for for better or for worse. Of just yeah, of managing expectations and for picking up on things that actually work really nicely that you wouldn't get first time around, or things that you're not sure of initially that sort of smooth out on a second viewing. Yeah. So um, yeah, That's why I'm, I didn't want to do this initially. Uh, this yeah. is why I woke up this morning going, we're not going to do a Skywalker spoiler special, folks. We're just not going to do it. Because mm-hmm. I, I just don't have that much knowledge. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you a line from the movie necessarily. Yeah. Maybe may the force be with you. Does someone say that at some point? <laughs> Obviously. Uh, somebody probably says, I've got a bad feeling about this. Someone, someone definitely does. does Lando. Lando does. Yes. yes. And uh, the Lando, not before time, is yeah. what I say. And uh, yeah, and obviously uh, Palpatine says, strike me down, because that's what he does. It's like a Palpatine doll, isn't it? You mm. just pull the string. And it, it, this is what, that's what Palpatine in this movie is a bit like. You just pull the string and a series of Palpatine catchphrases come out of him. There's Strike a warm rat in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> An extra large burger, please. You know, all the, all the things that he likes to say. <laughs> you see that guy eating burgers. Sith happens. Yeah, okay, that I see. Yeah. yeah. Same Sith, different day. That's another, another one <laughs> that that's is classic. Tr- I mean, that's literally true. Classic it is, Palpatine catchphrases. It is the same Sith hearer. On a different day, yes, isn't it? yeah, isn't same it? Sith, different planet. That's basically same Sith, different ray. What it is, mm. <laughs> same Sith, different ray. Uh, Helen, yeah, your excellent review. Thank you. Um, Unusual. I've read. Wow. 
Good Lord. I read a tweet about your review. (laughs) (laughs) In the New York, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And people tell me that it's very good. That's very good. So you must be delighted with that. But uh, you're you're more up in it than I am, but you're more down in it than Ben is. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair assessment of the situation. Look, I think there's loads to like about these films. Y'all know I have been in Kylo Ren's camp, not literally on the dark side, but like, you know, in his... In the he is great camp since You're the day original one. Knight of Ren. I am, yeah, sure, I guess. But I've just been, I've been, I've been sort of banging that drum since day one, as it were. And uh, and I think he he continues to be pretty much great. There are some quibbles I can pick up on, but generally speaking, I think he's great. I think the stuff between him and Ray. I think one of the very few things that they have kept over from the Last Jedi is this connection between them, and I thought that actually worked really well. And I loved the kind of weirdly trippy way it develops in this in this film where there's there's a physical connection between them yeah doesn't make a lot of sense does it? it doesn't but i kind of enjoy the way that it works anyway and i and i yeah. felt like it it felt like if if as we were kind of told last time snoke set up this link between them then there's the idea that it is just there now and that it is growing stronger because both of them need it for some reason and i like that a lot um, I just I think it's really interesting. I think it, it adds something to both characters, and not just to Kylo, but also to Ray. Um, I think Daisy Ridley's really grown into the role. I really liked her in this uh-huh. film. Okay. Um, so there was loads of stuff there. I mean, I thought it, I was I, I had a really good time seeing Poe do stuff, um, which we haven't seen enough of. I don't think we saw enough of it in the Force Awakens, if I'm honest. My only quibble with him is it bears no relationship whatsoever to anything they set up last film, and I feel like. Well, that's a that's a that's a big criticism of this. That's film, a big isn't criticism, it? but this is the but this is the problem. I I feel like, and this is this is my big criticism of this film. You have to reckon with the fact that the Last Jedi exists. You have to. You can't just pretend it doesn't. And therefore, if you're going to have a coherent trilogy, then you have to find stuff that works that you like in the Last Jedi and and use it and take it forward and if there's stuff that you don't like you still have to use it and take it forward and make it something that you like mm. you can't just pretend it didn't happen and I think that would that is my central problem with this film whether or not you love the Last Jedi it does not matter you still need to reckon with its existence and and for me the weakest parts of this film were the ones that tried to hand wave it away so this is uh, this film could alternatively be titled the Redcon of Skywalker, yes, or certainly the Redcon of the Last Jedi, because th- th- that's one of the interesting things about it. Um, I imagine J.J. Abrams and his co-writer Chris Terrio and his other co-writer subreddit uh, are probably <laughs> what what. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, I know where you're coming from. That's that's harsh. That's harsh. You think is it harsh though? Is it harsh? It does feel to me. And uh, apologies if in a few days' time you listen to the review of the year special and you hear something that sounds a little bit like the sentence. But it does feel to me like you know they went on Reddit incognito and went, "What would you like to see from the the final Skywalker movie?" And people going, "Oh well, obviously I want to see Lando." Okay, Lando. We'll put Lando in. Uh, Chewie's never got his medal. Oh, yeah, well, but, but, yeah, Chewie's definitely going to get his medal. Um, but, oh, Ben Demption, not a word. Doesn't matter, we want to see it. But he's kind of a mass murderer. Doesn't matter, so is Vader. Okay, then, Ben Demption. Palpatine? Do you want to see Palpatine? Yeah, Palpatine. All right, we'll stick that in as well. Doesn't make a lick of sense, but we'll put him in. Uh, and Ray's parents. Ray's parents, yay! The Knights of Red, apparently. Yes. Every bit as effectual as Boba Fett. <laughs> 
And long-term listeners will know <laughs> they, they, exactly what I mean by that. They are. They are absolutely shit, the Knights of Ren. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the shites of Ren, more like. But uh, but anyway, so that's my feeling about the, the hmm. some of the some of the creative processes here behind this movie, that it, it feels very fan service-y, a bit pandery. Uh, and not panda e. That's a very, very different thing. But uh, in terms of its attitude towards the Last Jedi, it worries me that this film rides roughshod over so much of the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. because that's then aligning yourself with a very toxic part of the Star Wars fan base, who will now feel that their voices have been heard, mm-hmm. when in actual fact they should have cried out in terror and been suddenly silenced. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think it. But I think in a wider sense, it you know even aside from the politics of that, the real world politics mm-hmm. of that, I just think it's a shame because I think what Ryan Johnson tried to do, and I think largely what he succeeded in doing in the Last Jedi, was opening up the world of Star Wars and trying to find a path that allowed a bit more complexity and a little mm-hmm. bit more nuance, suggesting that the resistance is not always perfect and clean-handed and, you know, ideal in their behaviour either, um, which gives you a bit of nuance to work yeah. with and gives you things to to, to improve within the resistance. Um, and those ideas were there sometimes in The Force Awakens, I think, as well, but it, yeah. it's good to build on that, and, and there's none of that here. Um, but there's also a suggestion in The Last Jedi that... The, the Jedi path no longer works. Yeah. And that Rey is taking all those years of experience, those thousands of years of experience of Luke and Yoda kind of going, yeah, we've reached the end of the road with this. This mm. isn't, this can't go on like this anymore. We need, these institutions are crumbling and it's just going to be secular now for the rest of time unless something is done. They need to be restarted from scratch and a new path needs to be forged. And I think that's where The Last Jedi was going with that, where Rey took the Jedi books and mm-hmm. she was going to take, she was going to learn from the lessons of the past and forge something new. And there was at one point I thought, whenever they announced the title at the rise of Skywalker was going to refer to Skywalker, might even have been the name of the new movement mm. or organization or even religion and that she was going to start. And there's precedent for this, right? In, in some of the extended universe stuff over the years, that's yes. sort of the grey order, I believe, which is sort okay. of a balancing Yeah force, you know, between between sort of Sith and yeah. Jedi. Because I think, you know, I think the perception then being that the Jedi were meddlers, but they were sometimes ineffectual, um, whereas obviously the Sith are malign. But there, there's there's some kind of way in between those paths. You don't have to be a high council with, you know, a, a connection to power in order to to flourish. Um, that shouldn't be maybe be something that the force is doing. Yeah. So there, there is, there's there's room to criticise the Jedi. There's room to talk about these ideas, um, but not apparently in this film. Let me ask you this, and people will yell yes at the podcast app whenever they hear this. Uh, is Kylo officially a Sith? Or is he just... No, I'm not sure. Is, is he? Does he ever pronounce himself a Sith? Is Snoke ever pronounced a Sith? Always two that are, Master and Apprentice. Mm. So they, they, they fit that criteria but I don't I, think the word was ever used I don't think the word's ever been used and the word Sith is all over this movie which, mm. is, which is interesting um, also what, what's also interesting is that you know Palpatine we'll talk about him in, in great detail I'm sure uh, if not in this podcast and certainly in the next one uh, but Palpatine isn't fulfilling the, the, the Sith rules and regulations either because he's on his own there is no apprentice and I guess he's ta- he wants mm. to take Kylo Ren as an apprentice but wouldn't he have? Also, I think he wants Ray as his apprentice. So mm-hmm. that's what he said. He always he he didn't want to kill her. He yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. bring yeah. her to him. So I think he part of his quest seemed to be that his apprentice would be would be Ray, not counting on the fact that she would be so pure of heart and that she would be able to choose for herself 
to come around the uh, the destiny that was set out for her. Like, I've been here before. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I, mean, I yeah. will try it again. It's Second a, it's time, a, lucky. You know, it's another three-way fight in a, in a throne room and... The, ga- the fate of the galaxy depends in who- on who gangs up with who. And Palpatine whichever, is massively overconfident. Yeah, whichever two, you know, team up are going to rule the galaxy or, you know, mm. not rule the galaxy if it, as the... As yeah. the His overconfidence is... But I, I'm worried that some of the complexity of The Last Jedi, or in fact all the complexity of The mm. Last Jedi has been eradicated by by this movie mm. in, in terms of what I thought... And it's, it's tricky, but but in terms of where I thought Rey was going to go, in terms of where I thought she was maybe going to take the Jedi religion, and also the bond with Kylo Ren is interesting in that as well, because I always get the feeling that he's heading somewhere different as well. Mm. And the two of them together could have maybe forged something new, genuinely brought balance to the Force, yeah. and maybe you know moved on from there, rather than just back to the old Jedi-Sith paradigm. But th- this, I think, stems from the fact that there hasn't been a plan in place for no. these three movies from, yeah. from the off and when you're flitting from director to director Johnson did it with The Last Jedi mm. in that he rode, rode roughshod over some of the stuff that happened in Force Awakens like he wasn't interested in the idea that Ray's parents were a mystery yeah. he wasn't really interested in Finn sadly yeah. so there were certain things that he didn't implement and then J.J. clearly and I wonder if this would have been different if they had had a different director, a completely different director, like a Colin Trevorrow or whoever else they would have maybe gone to after Trevorrow left the franchise. Maybe then we would have seen more strands of Johnson's movie continue. Mm. But it feels to me like Abrams just sees The Last Jedi as an unfortunate bump in the road. And this is a return to where he began, really. I think it's hard because that's so much of the the discourse around the film rather than the film itself, in, in my opinion, that because there was this huge kind of um, Ferrari by a lot of fans over The Last Jedi I understand that a lot of fans have have legitimate criticisms of that film sadly it's also tangled up in a lot of um, racism and misogyny and oh, yeah. all sorts of toxic stuff but I, I, I completely get that there are some people who just don't like that film and, and, and that's fine um, and I think the optics of this sort of returning to a lot of what JJ did in The Force Awakens the sort of classicism of that um, is sort of I feel like that's what that's what JJ does and it just happens to be that it aligns mm. with this narrative outside of the films that this is what the fans want. I I, I struggle to be mad uh, at JJ for doing what he does here because uh. um it's it's a passing of the baton. He passed the baton to 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 Ryan and Ryan did what he wanted to do and he passed it back to JJ and but, JJ did what he But it feels like he snatched a baton back from, from, from Ryan Johnson and gone, I didn't like what you did with this baton, so I'm going to change it back to what I I did. mean, arguably, he's, you know, he feels Ryan did the same to him yeah, last time, essentially, yeah. you know. Um, but he, yeah, look, I'm, I'm trying to not dwell too much on the, the sort of bigger world um, implications of mm. this. But the thing is, like, I think JJ has form with this in terms of, not not in terms of taking it from another director, but in terms of um, Star Trek Into Darkness. He took a first film, which was quite not terribly classical in terms of, you know, taking back the Star Wars ca- uh, Star Trek canon. This is going to be really confusing now. Um, <laughs> but he, he did something that felt very true to the characters. He found a new story to tell that nevertheless felt right for that group of people. Uh, in a way that was super, super clever. I will stand by that film forever. I just think it's it's so, so clever what he did there in a way that he found a way to respect the original films, respect the original characters, respect all of those stories, and also do something completely different. And I thought that was super, super smart. Respect the Kirk and tame the Spock. Anyway, um, 
But then in the second film, this instinct kicked in to be conservative, to be safe. And he did The Wrath of Khan over again. And he did it in a bad way. He did it with characters who hadn't earned the emotional beats in Wrath of Khan. And it didn't work. Yeah. As a result, and I and I feel like that's essentially more or less what's happened here is that he has played it too safe with his first film. Like he's got this inspiration for sorry with his second film, he's like he's played it too safe with his second film. Like for the first one, he had an idea, he knew what he wanted to do, he wanted to respect the original and find a new way to kind of bring it to life, and he pretty much did it. I think very well in both cases, but when he came back to do it again, I, I, he played it too safe. He didn't have the same kind of flair. And I know that people will say, and, and certainly Chris, I know you've said in the past that The Force Awakens plays it too safe, mm-hmm. but yep. it's it's nowhere near as too safe, I think, as this one because this one didn't have to play it safe. I and we talked about this at the time. My my line on The Force Awakens was very much he had to do that almost as a palate cleanser after the after the prequels. He had to show that you could still make a classical Star Wars movie. That's why I think The Force Awakens plays like it does. That does not apply here, or it shouldn't apply here. That feeds into what I was kind of saying. And in terms of playing it safe, I think he's giving people what he thinks they want rather than what he wants as a storyteller. And again, you know, I know he had a compressed schedule and he was dropped into this at the last minute, relatively speaking. You know, I'm sure had he had more time, there may have been a different version of, of this movie. But... I, I do wonder that it's a, it's a little little conservative. Mm. But Ben, I, I, again, I do not want to just spend ages <laughs> kicking this movie. You love this film. I, I Yeah, I, I loved a lot in it. Um, I think, like I was saying at the start, I think it does a great job by a lot of the characters. Um, it, if we're going to talk about some of the big stuff, um, the Ben Demption of mm. it all, I, I was fascinated to see how this film was going to reckon with that because... That that moment in The Force Awakens where he kills Han, I remember being so, so shocked by that. Mm. And it that film really earns that moment. That that film that people accuse of being too safe yeah. killed the fan favorite character, one of the like greatest action adventure characters of all time. And you're not mad about it because it did it really, really well. Yeah. I think it's an incredible feat. And then you follow that up in um The Last Jedi with that astonishing moment and not just the 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 death of snoke and the um the back to back lightsaber fight Love against it. the um praetorian guard but the moment after that which i will bang on about until the end of time which i love so much which is which is ray and kylo ren standing in the burning throne room each thinking that they have ex- succeeded in bringing the other to their side that i love the drama of that um, and in that moment that is another chance for for Kylo Ren to redeem himself to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. go with Rey towards the light, and he doubles down. He takes the power grab. He he actively chooses in that moment. That's the best chance he had to think. Oh, actually, fuck it. I should just be good. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't take that. He he dives further into the depths of darkness, which I found absolutely fascinating. So I went into this one thinking. Star Wars is all about redemption and it's Darth Vader redemption, is, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> and Darth Vader does so many so many bad things um, and yet you it's part of the sort of fabric of what Return of the Jedi brings to this overall story is that it's yep. the redemption mm. of Vader um, so how is this film going to reckon with that um, while also staying true to this journey that we've seen Kylo Ren be on for the rest of the series and actually I think they managed to pull it off remarkably well. I thought it was 
absolutely beautiful and just right that it is Leia's last act that brings him back. I think as a tribute to Carrie Fisher and as a, a linking point to The Last Jedi where he has that moment in his speeder to shoot at Leia and he hesitates and he mm. stops. The additional connection that he has with her for whatever reason is the thing that is the power that can bring him back to the side of the light. I, I thought that just really, really worked for me. Um, I, I, I really like that they find a way around that because I've said in the past my big worry about this film was I felt like it was building to a Kylo and Leia film a Leia scene that we were never going to be able to see and I, I thought that they they find a way around that lack to still give you that connection so I agree to that extent um, we end up with a very odd situation that essentially Ray kills Leia Ray kills um, uh, 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 Ray kills Leia sorry I'm, I'm going to go full Leia, from Jumanji <laughs> Leia, Leia <laughs> Leia links with Kylo. Uh-huh. He pauses. Uh-huh. During that pause, yes. Ray strikes him. Uh-huh. Runs him through. Yes. With At that so moment, Leia drops dead. But See, that, I, I've read it as she dies because of the exertion of making the contact. Okay, yeah, but that's not we, we don't see him her die before Ray strikes him. We see her die and then Ray pause in horror at what she's just done. Okay. Well, perhaps we've only seen it once. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? Maybe that'll but, become uh, clear when we see it again. I think I think there's a there's an interesting uh, expansion of the Jedi power set across these movies, and mm. we saw it with Luke at the end of the Last Jedi, who was able to force project himself uh, to the point where you think it's actually him on crate. That's apparently in an, in a textbook of things that Jedi can do. I'm um, sure it's in the Ryan Journal Johnson. Of the no, but Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, Johnson, that's right. He, yeah, yeah that's real. Did we discussed on yeah. our spoiler special, which is available for you to listen to now? And Ryan Johnson was able to be on that one, so that is a belter as well. Now, uh, but anyway, so certainly on the big screen, we hadn't seen that happen before, and there's a little bit of that in in this movie as well. There's the sense that Leia does the same thing as well. There are all these moments where Kylo and and Rey appear to each other, even when sometimes they're not physically in the same room. You get the sense that Palpatine's got his dabs on his fingerprints all over the place mm. as well, and it, and of course Ray's rather conveniently introduced uh, ability to force heal as well, which again just, exists in the canon. Okay, in the wider uh, Kiadi Mundi's done it, and all sorts. Oh, Kiadi Mundi, Kiadi Mundi. As somebody who wasn't aware that it already existed in the canon, that was one of the things that gave me a big amount of pause because it, for me, it saps a lot of the um, the peril in in scenes. I don't know, mm. just this this. Added ability that if somebody is on death's door, that Ray might be able, as much as it takes some sacrifice from her point, that she has to give some of her own life to save somebody else's. I wasn't sure how I felt about that in the moment. I'm intrigued on a second viewing to see how I feel about. That. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's a. I mean, I've read enough fantasy and sci-fi novels to be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm. The only thing that wouldn't make sense in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy is usually you can't bring people back from the dead, mm. which apparently you pretty much can here so that's cool so what's the statute of limitations in this I wonder I mean could Ray? I mean obviously Han Solo's body appears to have been vaporised but then we thought the Emperor's body had been vaporised as well so could she go and find the different component parts of Han Solo that have been scattered to the four corners of the galaxy and do her little hum thing and, and bring him back why not 
Wow. That <laughs> well, would get I, I really mean, existential. Con- <laughs> contractually, I think, is the answer to that. Can you imagine you Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford just like, no, no, don't bring me back, no! I would love to have been a fly on the wall for the contract negotiations for him because I'm sure he was out and they pulled him back in because of Carrie Fisher's yes, I'm, absence. Yes, I'm, um, I feel so as well. Um, but, uh, and, you know, he plays it He plays it well. It's a, it's a nice little beat. I mean, in terms of talking about Kylo's redemption, I would have... The one thing I think is missing is maybe a sense that he's not interested in being supreme leader, in doing the work. As far as we see, all we ever see is him herring off around the galaxy, looking for the Emperor, looking for Rey, looking for whatever is going on. That's he's a, more he's interesting. an adrenaline junkie, isn't he? He, yeah. just, he just wants to put we his see, head in the yeah, mouth of We see him beast. have appalling impulse control. He still has n- yeah. zero impulse control, um, which seems very ill-suited to governance. I mean, you wouldn't want... Uh, a complete child with no self-control who just does whatever the fuck he wants whenever the fuck he wants to. Why are you looking pointedly in at pa- me here? No, no. <laughs> in, in power over a major superpower or... Or you podcast. Know, or podcast or country. You know, it just would be bad to have somebody like that in charge of your country. Okay. And... Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there you go. Very see? good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And Kylo clearly just fucks off whenever he wants and leaves yeah. it to this incredibly untrustworthy council <laughs> of um, allegiant generals and the like to to do the running of the of the empire for or the sorry the, sorry a the war, first order for him war machine hucks war machine hucks yeah. <laughs> um, so it the 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 door seemed to be open there yeah. to have him horrified by at least something that those people do the door seemed to be open there for him to express, even privately, even for a moment, even in a glance, a moment of hesitation over the mm-hmm. kind of shit that these guys clearly do at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And you don't have to have them see it, but we as the audience could have seen it. And that could have signaled maybe a little bit of hope, but it also could have signaled that wider need for redemption. It's not just about him and Ray. It's also about everything else that he's done, I feel like. And and you got a little bit more of that, I think, from Vader because you had Luke continually telling us, that there's I good feel the good in you. Yeah. I feel the conflict in you. Yeah. And the only, well, we the don't only see way, it necessarily. Uh, we at don't, least maybe. until Jedi. Yeah. And then, and then in this one, you know, I guess we see it somewhat in the scenes with Ray, but I feel like we just needed a tiny little pinch of something else not involving Ray. It is. It is it, it, yeah, it's a tricky one. Because initially my reaction to Ben Demption, and again, why is it not Ray Demption? It's literally <laughs> right there. It's just the addition of one extra letter, guys. Come on. It's, it's staring you in the face. But Ben Demption, I hate that fucking word. But anyway. In fact, it would have to be Ben Demption because it's not Ray. But it's, no, 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 no. But it's redemption because of Ray, ultimately. That's why he's doing it because, you know, he wants to... <laughs> he wants to, you know, he wants to, doesn't he? What's happening? I don't know. <laughs> Let's just say that he and Ray have a connection, a bond, a mutual attraction, if you will. Uh, so ultimately, it's because of Ray. So Ray Demption. So there you go. Anyway, but my initial reaction to it was, "Come on, guys, come on." He's too far gone. He's beyond Ben Demption because of all the shit that he's done. I mean, he's literally he stabs his dad in the chest with a, a big old lightsaber. Mm. That's bad. But then again, this is a series that's all about the black and white. Only recently has it been about the shades of grey. And it is a series. What's that? 50 of them? Or? If, yeah, well, if, if Ben has his I way. Mean, that's a, in Chris's fanfic. Hello. <laughs> Hello. My word. Always two there are. Uh, referring, of course, 
to his testicles. Anyway. (laughs) Why are you here? Oh, dear. This is a series that's obsessed with the black and white. And uh, it is, if it can redeem Darth Vader, Mm. who did things many, many times worse than Kylo Ren did over a much longer period as well. If it can redeem him at the end, then surely it can redeem Kylo Ren. Mm. So I officially withdraw my objection to that story. Here's my question. Does it really count as true redemption if you also die for it? Like they couldn't see a way to have him live, clearly. Do you know what I mean? Disappointed by that, I have to say. Yeah. And I I feel like that's that's the kind of... um, Maybe it's a little bit of a trope. I mean, Vader obviously being a, a great example, but you you come back, you say, oh, I'm good now. I'll help you at the last minute, but oh, I will lose my life in the process. Because <laughs> yes. oh, I, I just jumped in front of the bullet or don't whatever. Don't deserve yeah. to live, basically. Yeah. So there is still a, a real, it's not, this is not a compassionate redemption. This is still a very judgmental redemption on the on the part of the film. Because it would be very difficult. You know, you can rehabilitate him in the minds of the viewers, but it'd be very, very difficult to rehabilitate him in the minds of, well, everybody else. Anyone in so yeah, if, the if universe, Ray, yeah. If Ray suddenly rocked up after that, looking a little bit disheveled, a little bit worse for wear, with Kylo Ren, but no, no, now he's Ben Solo now, guys. It's totally fine. We've talked it out. It's cool. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. He had a chat with his mum and then a chat with his dad. Yes, they were both dead, but he spoke with them and now it's fine. It's and everyone totally else fine. has to be like, Sounds legit. And we're going to live together in a big house. And earlier, because Finn's aware of her vision that we never see of them sitting together on the throne as Sith king and queen, essentially. Mm. Uh, and, you know, he must be going, hang on a second. Wait, wait, what? what's going on? Yeah. So I guess that's one of the reasons why you maybe kill him from that point of view. Yeah, I, I get why they did. And to be honest, if he had lived, maybe we'd all be complaining that he didn't have any punishment to face, really, for everything that he's presumably done. And just a slightly shiny too shiny ending of like oh and they lived happily ever after together right. because she saved him and now they're in love and I but, think that's but there are I mean or maybe it, because it's the final one in the in the in the series and I'm, I'm putting that in air quotes you don't get to do this but there <laughs> there would be a really interesting story if you did something I mean we've had characters in literature and and, and TV and film who have lived past having done horrific things and who have had to reckon with the consequences and there's a lot to be said mm-hmm. for the drama in that and you could have you know, Angelus him from Angel and Buffy and had him have but to work off his sort of debt. To or Negan in The Walking Dead is a more recent example yeah. as well. Uh, and But that's one of your pet hates, isn't it? You absolutely hate that. You know, if you either you either uh, die here or live, live long enough to see yourself become the villain, but you don't like when you either die a villain or you live long enough, long enough to see yourself become the anti-hero or the hero. I don't want... But a lot of those ones I'm complaining about, there is no process of... Mm. actual earning it there is no process of real you know penance if you like there's just oh they're a good guy they're a good guy now I mean it's it's you know when you have it with fucking velociraptors and people like that it doesn't ring true but if you have someone doing the work of trying to be a better person that is actually something I love on screen Um, but that is something you see very rarely because it is much more complicated Seeing as we've raised the Buffy and Angel situation, can we talk about how the the iconic moment at the end of season two of oh Buffy, my God. where Angel has turned into evil Angelus and she does the spell and it brings him back to being Angel and she fucking kills but him it's anyway too late. because it's it's too late because you know, he's already opened the the gate. But also it's just she she, she stabs him though to ki- send yeah. him through. But then also it's like 
but also you're, I love you, but you're too dangerous to be here and to be existing. Mm. And I liked the sense of that in this as well, where she's like in that glimmer, in that chance, she sees that he is redeemed. And at the same time, he's like, I've got to kill you. And she just does it. She just does it. And that, that was one of the moments that really made me gasp when she... Um, I don't think she sees the redemption in that moment. She's got her back to him. She sort of stabs him back over her shoulder. You mean shoulder. On, the, on the... And again, forgive me people here, we've only seen this movie once, so I'm all over the place with, with planet names and stuff. But it's, on the, it's one of the moons of Endor, or one of yeah, the worlds in the, the Endor The watery system. Death Star place. Yeah. Yeah, so when she Death stabs him there, that, I thought, you know, I, there's not a lot in this film that I wholeheartedly love. First time around, second time around, hopefully it'll click for me a little bit more. But I thought that was terrific. Mm. Mm. Absolutely terrific. And that was one of the few surprises in a movie that mm. for me is very by the numbers box ticking uh, in terms of its beats uh, to the point where you can almost predict things oh this is about to happen okay yeah. this, you know literally when, when she's on um, Akto and she throws Luke Skywalker into the fire I'm thinking the ghost Luke Skywalker is going to catch this isn't he mm. and but then, still when he did that I was like yes it's, it's still very very cool but then yeah. again immediately he, he he thumbs his nose at the last Jedi by going you should always treat a Jedi's weapon with respect mm. oh, oh come on anyway so I really, really like that stabby thing, and uh, I quite like the the, the Ray Kylo relationship. Here is one of the few areas in which th- this movie dabbles mm. in complexity, and uh, I quite enjoyed that. Although yeah. I would have liked to have seen the end of the movie be just a never-ending cycle of him healing her and then dying, and then she heals him and then dies. He heals her, then she dies. She heals oh my him, God. then he dies, and, and it goes on like that for forty-five minutes. Presumably, like. A given time, they could both have recovered because of the force, right? Because they would have, they're like, yeah, it's like a video game. Their, their energy bar would have slowly. Yeah, I feel, but I feel like I feel like there's an element of uh, midichlorians coming back into it, and like yeah. almost the midichlorians would have. Uh, genuinely, I feel like they were gonna. Now we're talking. Yeah, um, I, I do have questions about that that world, Eragor. I think it was. Okay, let's go um, with that. Many, many questions. Uh, how do you, as a secretly still alive? <laughs> Sith Lord, who is more machine now than man, twisted and twisted and dementor. More deadite now than man. Yeah, he is. Um, how do you build a fleet of tens of thousands of ships? NDAs. Big ships. Very big ships NDAs. that involve a lot. I mean, we know that there's a planet, Corellia, yeah. which just builds the, these fuckers, and the entire planet just builds these ships, right? Yeah. So you need like at least that level of manufacturing capacity and people and everything, and no one knows where you are. Also, the Emperor lifts that entire fleet with his mind, it seems like. Uh-huh. What the fuck? What's he hooked up to? Uh, Pure steroids? He's upgraded. Cerebro has intensified Cerebro. his powers over the years. Cerebro. Bro. Cerebro, dude. That is certainly a big round room. <laughs> Whoa. Having only seen it the once, was the implication, the thing that I got from it was that it was all remnants from the Empire, that it was stuff, but w- w- is but, it supposed to be newly have, built? Right, if you have 10,000... Star Destroyers, all equipped with those planet-destroying cannons that we saw in Rogue One. thought that was a clever callback. Mm. Oh. Why on Earth did you ever go away? That would be my question to you. His plan, it almost feels like his plan is that he didn't plan to exist until Grant Johnson killed Snoke. <laughs> and then suddenly mm. he found that he needed to exist mm. in a hurry... 
And so on the fly, mm. he decided to build all those things and then announce his presence to the world, which we don't see. No. Uh, I wondered if they, you know, it, he just sends a message of revenge. Revenge. I will have my revenge. Who, who is that? I haven't heard that voice. In it. It's Palpatine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, Palp, what do you think of Palpatine? The person who is higher, higher in this movie than me. Um, what do I think of Palpatine? I think it's, I am not massively invested in Palpatine as a thing overall. Like, to me, as somebody who came late to the original trilogy, he barely pops up in the first two and then is a massive deal in the third one. And it's like, I can't particularly be mad at this one for having a similar I mean, sort of yeah, absolutely. arc for him. So I, I think he is I think he is a character potentially who lives a lot larger in the minds of people who grew up on the original trilogy than he actually is in retrospect in yeah. actual mm screen time and action and sort of the role he actually plays in the original trilogy i'm not massively pro or anti him i feel like there was a certain sense of wooliness around around his return here and his aims but also there was a, a sense of just kind of go with it in the sense that i found his return to be very harry pottery it was very like voldemort mm-hmm. a lot of people have seen, like, yeah i've seen a lot so the he he dies but essentially the the essence of him the power of his evil means that he kind of lives on in a very diminished yeah. form mm-hmm. and he is biding his time waiting to come back that's um, surrounded by death eaters uh, yeah. whatever the yeah. hell those things were at the end <laughs> and, and ray hell, is yeah. the girl who lived and mm-hmm. someone said they were sort of the ghosts of the sith but if there's only ever two at a time I mean, that's a whole but lot of generations. thousands of years, I guess. You I mean, have. even so, but like you have, what? what's a generation? Like 30 years? Yeah. So you have like six a century? But it was deeply unclear who those, what those things were mm. and how he was building this fleet and mm-hmm. what exactly was, was preparing him or, or, or why he was waiting all this time to unleash his power, mm-hmm. why he had created Snoke. None of these questions are answered in the film, it's a, it's a, which, which is a bit sad. And, and I, I'm going to give uh, JJ and, and Terrio the benefit of the doubt here in a way because they were Ryan Johnson deliberately wrote them into a corner you almost feel because he killed Snoke and they didn't have a big bad now you could argue that an interesting direction to push it would have been to have Kylo Ren as, as the, the big, big bad, bad. that Definitely. is fully what I assumed at the end of The Last yeah, Jedi yeah. my sort of head canon of oh so that means in the next one the whole thing is that Snoke was supposed to be the end game and no he's gone that was a decoy and it's it's he full was the Phantom on Menace. Hey. versus Kylo Ren yeah um, but, but now this is, this is hang on a second so <laughs> The Last Jedi was literally the Phantom Menace right and this movie is the Attack of the Clone oh boy <laughs> God. I'm surprised you don't like it more then, Chris. And, oh. Wait a minute, this movie is both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. What? Whoa. But at the end, what? And it's the Return again, of the Jedi. It's the Return of the Jedi oh. and Rey is a new hope after the Empire Strikes oh Back. God. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> it is the ultimate Star Wars film after all. I'm fully on board now. Five stars. Well done, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for playing. Absolutely amazing. Palpatine, Palpatine's interesting to me because um, uh, I was having a conversation with someone in the office and they were said, well, surely just the very fact that he survived somehow, even though the Death Star, I mean, we literally saw it being vaporized, yeah. uh, has, has plummeted down to that planet, that his very survival invalidates or undermines, certainly, Vader's... Mm. Um, redemption. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Ben Demption's the word I'm thinking of. Vader's redemption 
and the ending of Return of the Jedi. Isn't it a little bit? I, I think it undermines the ending. I, I don't think it undermines Vader's actions, uh, assuming that he, you know, unless he was complicit and knew that by fire, you know, by dropping him down the shaft that he would have his, I don't know, escape pod at the bottom. If he knew that, then obviously it undermines Vader's redemption. Otherwise, if Vader didn't know or have any reason to suspect that he could possibly survive that, because why would anyone think you could possibly survive that? Come on, people. <laughs> he falls down a shaft, then, he is consumed by fire yeah, and blown up. Then Vader's redemption would still stand because Vader believes that he has sacrificed himself to defeat, to kill the Emperor. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't think it, I don't think it takes away. It's the emotion of what he does. It's not the, you know, the ultimate effect. Although That's I fair. agree that it it does undermine the ending and does you know stretch the ball, bounds of plausibility. That is absolutely fair. Uh, one of my issues with Palpatine in this is that it's it's a very very broad reading of the character and yes I get it in Return of the Jedi that's exactly what he is he's the personification of ultimate evil this is Darth Vader's true boss never mind Grand Moff Tarkin Mm. this is the guy who puts Vader in his place and he's meant to be terrifying he has that theme and he has Ian McDermott's incredible voice and it's Mm. just oh horrible but then in the prequels you actually get some depth to the character and you actually begin to learn what drives him and some of his motivations and uh, and the, you know, sort of, not the duality of the character, but yeah, the duality of the character because he's presenting a public face and a private mm. face. And that's all gone here in favour of this sort of pantomimic approach to, to playing him and he's literally bellowing some of the same shit he was bellowing in, in Jedi. Yeah, yeah I, I do feel like there's a... You don't get the chance to um, to see any of that real manipulation particularly. Mm. You, you don't... He's being pretty straightforward. He's literally saying, "No, come ahead and kill me. That's cool, because then you become yes. me." Yo, whatever. It's, Your you know, move. yeah. And and it's it's weird that the all trace of that kind of subtlety seems to have gone. And and it, I get that there's maybe an interesting thing here about evil being unable to really evolve and move forward. That it is a sort of a negation, and therefore you don't get true. Growth or true evolution, you know, there's there's maybe something there that he he is essentially dead. He's just stuck in the same loop. He's stuck in the same old actions, and that's why they're ultimately able to defeat him. But the film as a whole doesn't really make that point. I don't think so. You, if that is what they're trying to say, I don't think they say it very well. Mm. Um, and, and I think there, there are interesting stories that you can tell where evil is essentially its own undoing because it just can't survive long term. That it doesn't work long term um, but they they haven't really made they haven't told that story okay we don't have a lot of time left we will discuss there's an awful lot of stuff to get into this film and uh, we will get into it in our longer more detailed more measured reaction to the to the film uh, in early January but let's talk about the ending again in broad brushstrokes mm. um, Ben you, did you like the ending did you like how it all comes down ultimately yeah I really liked the ending for Ray. I thought there was a huge amount of power in that moment where she she gives herself the name Skywalker for me now that the the trilogy is is complete one thing we can do is try and take a step back and look at if, if you don't know until the end of the original trilogy that that is a trilogy about the redemption of Darth Vader now we can take a step back from this and for me a big part of it is it's a trilogy about Rey's search for her identity. At the beginning, she is nobody who discovers, who can go out into the world and finds that she might be able to be a part of something a lot bigger. In The Last Jedi, 
she's told that she is nobody and she has to figure that out for herself. Here, she's told that she's a Palpatine and that she's going to have to to reckon with this destiny that she's supposed to be the Sith Queen or whatever. And the fact that she takes all of that and just creates her own identity for herself, she chooses to be the hero, she understands what it means to take the mantle of Skywalker, and she does that for herself, and she creates her own lightsaber that is a singular lightsaber. I don't think we've ever seen, in the, especially in the films, uh, sort of yellowy, goldy lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, really nice colour choice, by the way. I just thought if she was picking kyber crystals and she was like <laughs> looking in the app store thinking, do I want a green one or a blue one or a purple one? She saw the goldy yellow one and was like, that looks kind of cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I, I liked that it was about this character um, creating her own identity for herself in this vast universe that is telling her who she is supposed to be. Hmm. I like the callback, obviously, to um, A New Hope. Um, oh, what, the sun, the Yeah, sunsets. the two suns and just this. Yeah. That yeah. shot where it's um, the two suns overlapping each other look, the, in a way that looks like BB-8 and in the foreground you have mm. BB-8 on the sand. Oh, <laughs> Cute. Oh, yeah. I love I thought, that. Yeah, I thought it was a great last shot and uh, especially since I, I have a real problem with how The Force Awakens ends. I love that each of these films ends with a classic tableau and A Force Awakens ends with a weirdly blurry, almost out of focus, moving helicopter shot that continues to bug me every mm. time I see it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was a bit discombobulated that Kylo didn't, or Ben, didn't turn up with his uh, mother and uncle um, and as a Force ghost there on Tatooine at the end. That's a really good point. Instead, it's a guy she knew for all of 10 minutes and, and Leia, who she knew a little bit longer, but again, not really that much more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or indeed her parents. Where are her parents? Well, then I guess not everyone can come back as Ford Coast, no. I guess. Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer. Jo- Jodie Comer. Where? Was her mum. I know. Yeah. Who's her dad? I don't remember. I didn't see it. Bill- Billy Howell. <laughs> so we think Billy Howell plays Ray's dad? Yeah, I was yeah. looking out on the credits. I'm pretty sure it okay. said Billy Howell. Um, Billy Howell. Okay. Again, we- we've only seen it once. Yeah. Please do correct us if we're getting things uh, egregiously wrong here. Uh We'll get into this a little bit more, but on the uh, on the when we really get into it on the in depth podcast. But Ray taking the name of Skywalker is an interesting step um, for me. I do wonder if she might have tried to rehabilitate the name of Palpatine, but you can see why she didn't go for Palpatine as a surname because mm-hmm. that's a name that's associated with a masked Sith Lord who's responsible for the deaths of millions of people. Whereas Skywalker, oh. Oh, she's flawed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that people know him as Skywalker. That's a very good point, Helen. He wore a mask a for most point. of his time. That's as a very good point. Kylo well, surely Ray. now people know, right? Surely they're you know they're they're going to say. Word may have gotten out among the re- resistance. I keep trying to call them the rebellion, and it keeps. I getting... know. Resistance. It's only been four years. I should really know this the by Rezzles. now. Rezzles. Yeah. yeah. Those mm. guys. Those guys. What do you think of the ending, Hells? Um, yeah, I mean, I have questions and, you know, there are things hanging that are odd. I mean, I feel like having spent the first part of the film trying to reestablish that bond with, with Finn and with Poe uh, and Ray, it, it feels weird to have her entirely go off on her own at the end and not really continue with that. Maybe she um, really doesn't want to hear what Finn has to say to her because we never yeah, get to hear Yeah, we never it. hear what the hell Finn was going to... That just felt like a... a some, a scene somebody forgot to add in. I've got a feeling just, there's a lot more that's been cut out of this I film. Think, I think there's been some real editing here, yeah. And I, th- 
I don't know. It's weird. Like you, you saw that three-way hug between them when she gets back to the rebel base, um, and and you thought, oh, these three are going to be okay, and probably let's be on a shack up together and have a have a grand old time. And yet, a I'm just saying. Did you see the hug? Come on. I think it might be because Poe Dameron's involved, and Poe Dameron like looking at, <laughs> touching, or interacting with anyone. It. Yeah, just seems a bit wrong. He, he gets inside the Millennium Falcon and fucks it for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's 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 not shy and retiring. But my point is, like, you felt like okay, these three people are together, and for for a person that talks as much as she does about bonds to people, her love of friends, her ties to people, to then go off and completely on her own at the end was very nice for that thematic lovely final shot but perhaps not the most convincing for the character so you know do do we think she went there to to stay i thought it she just went to kind of have her cyclical moment before then she'd be how did she maybe know maybe she was maybe she was just burying the lightsabers and, yeah, and was yeah. then going to leave but i got the impression somehow that she was just kind mm-hmm. of planning yeah. to move in she's looking around the rooms of the house you know so <laughs> she's stepping over the charred corpses thinking <laughs> oh. this is fine <laughs> yeah no one's moved those yeah. <laughs> they're still there you can still if you just about sniff you can just no, about smell no. the charred flesh of uncle owen and aunt Beru. You monster. and that blue milk will have gone off by now that's that's for sure <laughs> do not drink brown. do not drink the blue milk ray whatever you do how does she know where to go? Why does she bury the lightsabers there? Doesn't she think she might need those at some point down like Clearly she feels that she still needs lightsabers because she's just built one. Mm. I, think I, it's, I think it's meant to be like a respect. I think it's a passing of the torch and I think it's meant to be I a will bury a Leia's farewell. lightsaber that we never knew existed, that we never knew until, existed until now. now because yeah. we didn't know Leia was a Jedi because yeah. it's never mentioned that Leia's a Jedi because it's never she was always taking a sort of administrative role. Why would she take an administrative role if she was a Jedi? Anyway. <laughs> they deal with that in a passing line of dialogue. It's fine. Yes. Okay. Let's okay. go with that. But anyway, so she's burying Leia's lightsaber at a place that Leia's never been to. Yes, but a place that her brother grew up. I mean, where are the, where is it that would work for both of them? She couldn't put it in Alderaan, that's for sure. Yeah, I was about exactly. to say, they okay. can't go yeah. back to Alderaan. Yeah. Maybe, oh, she can't put it in the Death Star either. Uh, Hoth is right out. Uh, Cloud City, maybe? I mean, I'm not sure you can bury much in Cloud City. What with, you know, you could the probably, clouds. They probably have, you know, like those faults. Of, you know, when people die, you just stick them in the wall. You know those things, the memorial. I I know the kind of thing. I'm not gardens. sure that's how it works in floating cloud city mining colonies. Sure, Lando though. still has some connections. He can probably you know make a few calls. Look, I'm just going to go strings. ahead and say no. Okay. All right. Well, where else? Endor. She could bury it in Endor. She could give it to Wicket. Yeah. Why not? Well, Wicket and his son are in this. Oh, that cute. That uh, cute. Square leg. Is it? What? That's a cricket, cricket joke. joke. At least you didn't go for a like a, a cricket box joke. Why would, would I go for, what? When you cricket box? Why, why would uh, I do? Why would I do that, Ben? It's like a dick joke. That's what you do, Ben. That's true. That when? is what you do. That is what he does. You when? definitely do that. He does the dick. You jokes. do that. That's the thing that you do. Leg over before wicket. Oh, God. am I right? Am I right? Hello. No, no one's giving yeah. you a high five no. for that. No, silly no mid on. I'll say. Ah, oh, no. Okay. Anyway, uh, so wicket's in this, which is good. John Williams pops up as a bartender. He We're does. pretty sure that's him. Uh, we are yeah, yeah we are we're 100% yeah. sure it's yeah, him definitely okay John Williams and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of mm. uh, voice cameos that we didn't pick up on I tried really hard to see if you could spot Lin-Manuel Miranda among the rebels uh, on the jungly planet but you can't apparently I, I you can at him. the end no one of my friends Ooh. saw him he's there in the final scene when they come back Right. And they're all celebrating, so I, I need to look out for that next time. He also, of course, wrote that new kind of cantina song mm-hmm. um, that you hear at one point. Um, yeah, there's quite a few sort of old school cameos in here. And, of course, uh, 
Greg as well. Greg. Greg Grunberg. Grunberg, uh, who is JJ's lucky lucky Snap Wexley. Wexley. Snap Wexley. Gone too soon. Oh, we we barely knew him. I mean, we really, really, we we really (laughs) barely knew him. But he's endearing. He is. He's fine. And he's in all three of them. And, you know, I guess they they thought, well, we'll bring Wedge back for one shot. So we don't need two wedges. Mm. So fuck it. We'll just kill one of them. Oh, harsh. Yeah. Well, they apparently didn't need much um, Kelly Murray Tran, which is another. Another retcon from the old Last Jedi that I have uh, a bit of an issue with. Mm, Me too. But, uh, yeah. Hey, hum. But let's focus on positives. Sure. Let's, Let's go out on a high. What was your favourite thing about this movie? Helen. Kylo Ren. <laughs> it's always Kylo you're Ren. Such, you're such a fucking walking I'm parody. not even, I'm not even <laughs> like, I'm not even generally speaking, although I'm becoming an Adam Driver fangirl, but I wasn't, I have not historically been an Adam Driver fangirl. I didn't watch Girls, I wasn't into it. Um, and yet he's just so interesting and I just enjoy watching whatever the fuck he's going to do next. I also very much enjoyed Richard E. Grant. Oh, as uh, as allegiant good. general, Pride. fuck you. Um, I believe was his was his first name. Yes, uh, he Pride. Was fuck you, Pride. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, he was he was fantastic. He, nobody curls his lip better than Richard E. Grant, which is ironic for such a nice man. But he he was a delight. I, on on that yeah. front with him, I very much enjoyed as well. Hooks being the mole, um, that just felt that r- rung very true for me. It was a nice way to get him into this film and to sort of push his character very slightly forward and then off a cliff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very very slightly forward. Again, something we'll get into, but I, I do wonder if they could have mined the Hux Kylo Ren dynamic a little bit more yeah, and yeah. pushed it in interesting directions. But yeah, Richard E. Grant is is great value in this movie. But I have to say, Helen, just going for Kylo Ren is. It's it's self-parody to a level that I just never thought I'd see before. What? My favourite moment was uh, when Steve wheeled me on there. Uh, <laughs> that was definitely... Oh, hang on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Ben, what was your favourite moment? Uh, my favourite moment was um, the reunion with Han. Was um, uh, Kylo Ren talking to Han. Or Ben, as he is soon to be at that point. Yes. That's the bit that made me cry. Is that the bit that made you cry? That's the bit that made me cry. Um, I thought that scene was beautiful and I loved the repetition of the dialogue. Yes, it was a bit on the nose, but the repetition of the dialogue of of that the meeting that they have in The Force Awakens and that, oh, I, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I'm strong enough to do it. I loved the flipping of that because when you saw that moment for the first time in The Force Awakens, you saw the... You thought it was the other way around. You mm. thought it was him sort of wrestling with knowing that he should be good and oh, all the dual meanings of that. I thought that just worked really, really nicely. Also, the moment uh, towards the end uh, when Ray, whatever, like force passes the lightsaber to, to so Ben. Clever. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. Um, that moment. <laughs> and then when he fights the, the Knights of Ren. Because oh, all the Adam Driver lightsaber stuff is so good. I feel like the lightsaber choreography in this, it's not quite up there with The Last Jedi. But I, I thought a lot of the lightsaber fights in this were really good. A lot of them didn't blow me away. But sorry, we're trying to be positive. We'll talk about that. Positive. Positive. Um, but yes, that, that passing of the lightsaber was was poetry. I mm. just yeah. adored it. I thought she was going to Amazon Prime it to him, one day delivery, or she was just. Gonna, I thought she was just going to use the force to fire it at him somehow, knowing that he was sensing that he was in the building somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a very friendly way of doing it. I have slight issues with how the logistics Shh. of that work, but I also loved the bit where they're first communicating when he's on... Jalipoli. Kajimi? No. Jimimini? Hang on, I have it written down. Studio Ghibli? Uh, Kajimi. Kajimi! Yep. That's it. Kajimi. <laughs> the planet of Kajimi. And they're having that sort of forced Skype conversation. And he literally reaches out, uh, you know, shockingly, 
and grabs the necklace off her. Oh, oh a, no, you're talking about when he's on the forbidden when she's in the forbidden desert of Pisana. But isn't that on the planet of Kajimi? Uh, no, Kajimi is the snow planet where they meet Carrie Wash- or Carrie Russell. I thought that was the planet where they meet Carrie Russell because she's on Kajimi. But Kajimi's the planet that they blow up and Carrie Russell's on it, and no, then she, suddenly and then she's she's, she's off it again. Yeah. No, I think they're different planets. I think Kajimi is a different planet to Pisana. I think Pisana is on Kajimi, isn't it? I don't think it is. We've only seen this film once. <laughs> this is why we need to see it at least another time so we can get this shit squared. But anyway. There is, by the way, one huge missed opportunity in this film, which is that the Knights of Ren are described at one point as ghouls, but they don't get Adam Driver to say <laughs> ghouls. Ghouls? That is really my biggest problem with the film. I'd like to take back every other negative thing I've said and point out that that is the big one. And if you don't know what we're talking about, watch just the trailer for The Dead Don't Die. Yeah. Ghouls. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what you were talking about. (laughs) Yeah, Kajimi is a a different world, I'm pretty certain. Okay. Huh. Huh. We always know that every planet in Star Wars is just one thing. Except the planet where the Death Star ends up, which is rocky and watery. Anyway, it's a whole thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. We'll We'll get into it much, much more on the big one. But my positivity, my the thing I liked most about this movie, apart from, yes, actual Chewbacca involvement, actual Chewbacca involvement in the plot, he gets things to do. I didn't like that he got his medal, but we'll get into that another time. And I love Chewbacca. He's my favorite Star Wars character of all time. And I have written in print many, many times, give him his medal, you space racists. However... I didn't like it in this mo- in this movie, mm. but Chewbacca was great. But I also loved three uh, PO, yes, and R two, mm. mainly three PO, mm-hmm. got things to do yes. in this film as well. And I thought that uh, uh, they kind of went out in a high, really. All the stuff of three PO's memory being wiped. I loved that he was such a pain in the ass to everybody. <laughs> and yeah, I just thought they they treated him really really well. Yeah, film. I thought that was lovely actually because I think he he's often been made the butt of everyone's joke and and he deserves better. He's been he's been there since the beginning and I thought that was really nice little tribute. Yeah. So well done three PO. Well done everybody. Uh, lots lots more. Unless there's anything else you want to say? No. No. That's just all good. Babu Frick. Yay. Babu, Babu Frick. Frick. Babu Frick. That moment when they bring Woo-tini. 3PO back and he's like, oh, I am C-3PO. And then he, you just hear a tiny, I am Babu Freak. <laughs> <laughs> and then him referring to Babu Freak as, he's my oldest friend. Yes. <laughs> oh, bless. Oh. You see, 3PO rocks in this movie. He, he does. does. Yeah, fair play. Well done him. Well done him. Uh, and well done everybody. In fact, well done you guys. Thanks. Chris. I was talking to the, uh, the audience at home. Oh. Alan, uh, Were you talking to the hundreds of hooded figures around us? Unlimited <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. power. But yeah, that is it for our very, very brief delve into the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Join us after January. After Jan- in January. In January. In January, in fact. Uh, I'm not entirely sure when, but it'll be early January when there'll be a couple more of us. James Dyer will be here. Hopefully he'll have come to terms with this movie by that point. Uh, he's in a dark place at the moment. <laughs> he really is. Surrounded by hooded figures. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been hooked up to this weird like arm machine thing that's been moving him around for the last couple of days. But he's biding his time. His strength is, is coming back and he'll be here in the next one as well. And we'll be able to take your questions also. And we'll hopefully have seen the movie and we'll be getting things right, like names of planets and names of characters. And, and things that happen in the movie. <laughs> you know, basic shit like that. But uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this and... Uh, 
Uh, that's pretty much it now for us for the rest of the year. Our review of the year special is out on December 27th. And there'll be a number of, a couple of little specials that'll be studded in and around there as well because we're not back. The regular podcast is not back until January 10th. January 10th. It's a long wait. A long time. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. Uh, but until then, until the special occasion, until we meet again, it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Bye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Toodaloo. It is goodbye from Benjamin Travis. I am Babu Frick. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. I'm off to give Chewbacca his medal. I wanted to give him his medal for God's sake. That's why you're mad because they didn't yeah. invite you to hand the medal yeah. across. That's pretty much it, Ben. That's exactly it. Uh oh, the Dark Lord has arrived. It is time to end this podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.